Hi, this is Dan. And this is Sarah. And we'd like to welcome you to PDPow, a monthly podcast about stories in pediatric palliative care. The opinions in this podcast are ours alone and do not represent our respective institutions. They do not constitute medical advice. If you are having a medical emergency, please hang up and call 119, which is the direct dial emergency number in Tokyo, Japan. Sarah, why are we in Tokyo, Japan? Uh, we are in Tokyo, Japan because our next guest is a pediatric palliative practitioner who is located there. Many will be familiar with his name from many of our listserv inboxes, but we had the pleasure of inviting Nobu Yutani on to talk a little bit about his practice, building his practice, and the culture around pediatric palliative care in Tokyo. My name is Nobu Yutani. Please call me Nobu, a pediatric palliative care physician, National Center for Child Health and Development, Tokyo, Japan. Very nice to meet you. Very nice to meet you. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. How did you first become aware of pediatric palliative care? I originally worked in children's hospital, treating children with medically complex care, and also working in the emergency department. As I thought about the future of children with medically complexity, I strongly felt the need to minimize their painful symptoms and to help them live better lives while facing the possibility of death without avoiding it. This idea may have come about because of my experience as a college student. Before entering medical school, I studied in the Department of Education how to teach a death to children. At that time, I conducted the research in hospital classrooms as a field of, for my field work. I met a teacher there who had been in her mid-30s at the time, and she told me that the children in the classroom were asking her, am I going to die? How would you respond to such a situation? She told me, what would you say? So I was reading books and studying hard at the time, but the weight and impact of these words from the field has a strongly impact on me. There is a world out there that I cannot understand from books alone. With these feelings, I decided to re-enroll in the medical school where the teacher was. In Japan, it is common for students to enter medical school immediately after graduating from high school. So my career is a kind of unique one. And after entering medical school, I attended the pediatric ward as a volunteer. I was able to meet and spend time with many hospitalized children along with a teacher. Some of the children died, but this experience spending with children was a great asset to me. I think I was able to listen to the children's real voice because I was able to work with them as a non-doctor. This is what made me want to become a palliative care specialist in the course of my practice as a pediatrician. However, in Japan, there were not enough pathways to palliative care, so I had a lot of difficulty in this respect. That's a fascinating pathway that you took. And mm -hmm. I wonder, as you mentioned, the difficulties you had with the pathway. When you joined the field of pediatric palliative care, what did that look like in Japan? In 2010, we started to 
organize an educational program for pediatric palliative care for primary physicians. From a while ago, palliative care education program for adults in Japan had been established and were being practiced. So we studied the workshop in the same way. The program was two-day program focusing on group work and role play, including symptom management, end-of-life care, and communication. But pediatric palliative care was not yet an independent area at the time in Japan. So each primary physician practiced palliative care in their own way. When I decided I want to specialize in pediatric palliative care, I first looked around at the situation overseas. So I, I saw and learned about pediatric palliative care practice in England, UK, Australia, and United States. There was a lot of learning, but I also felt that palliative care differs from culture to culture. Whenever I spoke with palliative care specialists overseas, they always asked me how things were in Japan. So I myself did not know the current status of palliative care in Japan, and I felt that in order to promote pediatric palliative care, it would be necessary to engage in adult palliative care practice in Japan. So I decided to start adult palliative care. I learned a lot while working in adult palliative care, in palliative care team, hospice, and home visit clinics. The most important thing I learned from working with adult setting is that unlike children, they can report their own symptoms. When I started working in adult palliative care, I met a young patient with lung cancer. With no knowledge or experience in palliative care, I spent a lot of time in front of him who complained strongly dyspnea, struggling to catch my breath. His symptom was never easily revealed, but I learned a great deal from every word he said. At the time, it made me realize how I had not picked up the children's voice enough before. I learned the importance of listening to the children's voice. When I studied pediatric palliative care and I saw a baby in the NICU who was very full due to ascites, I remembered an old man with liver cirrhosis who had complained of tiny pain, and I began to look at the baby face and assess the pain. In this situation, I am glad I studied adult palliative care. I feel that there is a world out there that I could not see when I was a general pediatrician. This leads me to the possibility of creating a new field of pediatric palliative care in Japan. After three years of adult palliative care practice, I transferred to the National Children's Hospital as a head of palliative care department. The palliative care department was newly established and up and running. How are the concepts of pediatric palliative care, or how is this new field you describe being received by your colleagues, by other general pediatricians, or even how is it received by patients in mm -hmm. Japan? Yeah, when I was first appointed, I felt the way many doctors look at me suspiciously. I did, I did not have a lot of work, and my main focus was on pain management in the pediatric oncology department, and also the NICU was only call me 
invent a baby was born with trisomy 18. I strongly felt the difficulty of creating something that had never been done before. The mailing list and study group of United States helped me a lot. As we proceeded with many advices, the number of requests increased little by little, and we started to stand up as a palliative care department. The number of requests increased year by year, four times in five years from the first year. We also studied a fellowship program and three fellows joined us this year. With the addition of three new fellows, the scope of our practice has expanded and we have now established a system that allows us to provide palliative care from the prenatal period. And also, pediatric palliative care is still no, not, not well recognized and neither are patients. When patients and their family hear the word of palliative care, they tend to think of it as an end-of-life care. Some said that when we are introduced, family feels as if it is the end of life. However, as our involvement increases, the perception of family is changing. I feel that there are, they are learning more about what palliative care is by actually spending time with us. We have had family members who have lost a child to palliative care support us. I hope that the voice of such patients will change the image of palliative care for patients and their family in the future. So much of this is familiar and feels so much like <laughs> the challenges that we encounter um, here in the United States with our colleagues looking at us with suspicion and with families thinking we're just an end-of-life team. Are there any challenges in your work that you think are unique to Japan that we might not also encounter here in the United States? As I mentioned, there are still some misconceptions about palliative care, especially in the pediatric field among both providers and patients and families. The conception of palliative care equal end-of-life care. And also, the concept of brain death um, for example, is still difficult to understand. In Japan, brain death is recognized as death only when organ transplantation is performed. This has caused some confusion in the medical field. I feel that we need to have more open discussion with society because death is still considered as a taboo subject in some areas. Do you think there are any things you are able to do in Japan that could not be done elsewhere? Or are there things that people do elsewhere that you wish you could do in Japan? I think that Japan is a little different from Western countries that respect autonomy in decision making. I believe that we need to be more creative in implementing advanced care planning in this unique Japanese culture. I think in the future, it is also important to collaborate with Asian countries that have similar cultural backgrounds to improve the infrastructure of pediatric palliative care. In order for pediatric palliative care to become a commonplace support, we need to think about how to design a national system. So we would like to proceed in this area 
with advance from countries that have made progress in this area. So I want to go back a little bit to something that you spoke about just before when you talked about brain death. Okay. You know, what does the end of life look like for people in Japan in general? Obviously, it's different for everybody, but do you get a sense that most people prefer to be in a hospital or at home? And then what is it like for you to care for them in those settings? Many Japanese people prefer to die at home. On the other hand, when the time comes, they often choose a place other than their home because they do not want to inconvenience their families. In fact, the percentage of deaths at home in Japan is as low as 14%. This is a significant change from the 80% of deaths at home 70 years ago. Children have a higher percentage of deaths at home than adults, but it is still only about 20%. Although home medical care is gradually being improved, we believe that this trend is also influenced by the fact that more people are dying while receiving treatment at the end of their lives while intensive medical care is being provided. Thinking of a space between that desire to die at home and the desire not to inconvenience family and thinking about other places, I'm wondering if you could talk about the Momiji house, if I said that correctly, how it came to be and what it's like for patients when they are there. Momiji house is a children's hospice located in a separate building on the hospital grounds, modeled after Helen House in UK and built in 2016. Originally, Ms. Masayo Kidani, a Japanese woman who was a strong supporter of Helen House, provided a lot of support for the establishment of Memorial House with a desire to create a facility similar to Helen House in Japan. Initially, we studied as a short-stay facility for children with medical complexity. Since 2018, we have one bed operating where the child can spend her final life while receiving specialized palliative care. Half of the running costs for charity. There are special, special rooms such as snoozing room, bathroom for kids by mechanical bathing, bathroom for family and kids like hot spring Japanese traditional style, and dining room, etc. And the family room is set up next to the patient's bed, and family and friends can come together and spend time there. And so far, five children have used the facility for end-of-life care, including three children with cancer, one with immunodeficiency, and one with trisomy 18. Children's hospice is still underdeveloped in Japan. Efforts are underway in various regions to see if they can be operated as a third option that is neither a home nor a hospital. We need a system to determine how to proceed in the future. It is amazing to me to hear how much of an inspiration Helen House has been, because our listeners will remember when we interviewed the Cotters in Phoenix, Arizona, they too 
were at Helen House and took that as the inspiration for founding Ryan House. And one of the things that I remember so clearly from that interview was how important the financial model was in building these houses and keeping them running. So what is the payment model or the financial model in Japan for pediatric palliative care? In Japan, all medical expenses are covered by medical insurance and all citizens can purchase insurance. In addition, in many prefectures, medical expenses for children under 15 years old are covered by public funds. So there is almost no burden on the family. That's wonderful. As we talk through all of this and as we think about all of this, I can't help but ask, what are your biggest hopes for the future of pediatric palliative care in Japan? We need to make a palliative care a branch of pediatric medicine. To achieve this, we need facility that offer training in specialized palliative care. Our institution has started the program and it's beginning to train young doctors. We need to create a place where the young pediatric palliative care physicians who have grown up can play an active role. And we also need to connect more and more with specialists abroad. I think pediatric palliative care has always been a small department within pediatric medicine, and there are not so many specialists in this field all over the world. So we need a system to share and develop the innovation of each specialist. So I think today's session was a very important opportunity in this sense. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for coming. This was a delight. This was a joy to to get to hear about your experience and to hear some of the parallels (laughs) to experiences we've heard from others and have had ourselves. Okay, so before we get into any of the take-home lessons for that episode, I just want to thank Nobu for joining us. When we first invited him, he worried that his English wasn't going to be good enough to do this, and uh, very clearly it was. And so yeah. we thank him for you know coming out of his comfort zone and doing this interview in not his first language. Uh, it was great. Yeah, and one of the parts that didn't make the official recording, but it feels also notable to talk about here in our outro, is when we were done, we sort of got a chance to sit down and chat a little bit more organically. One of the biggest questions from Nobu was, is this how everybody feels? Is this the process that everybody goes through, even in the U.S.? And the answer we shared and that we've learned doing these episodes is, yes, a lot of this is surprisingly universal. Yeah. It was striking in that conversation with Nobu and now reflecting how similar the experiences are in Japan and the United States and in New Zealand and India and potentially all over the world in a lot of ways. Maybe this is a little bit like our adult versus peds episode we just put out, right? In that we sort of set out with this mission to highlight differences and we struggled to find them. I was just about to say the same thing. Palliative care doctors are palliative care doctors, whether they take care of big people or little people, whether they practice in Japan or the United States or anywhere else in the world. And maybe that's the moral of PDPAL. Maybe we figured it out. This is it. This is the message. Oh, wow. This is our last episode, huh? We're done. I, we've no solved. Yeah. <laughs> Congratulations. You've solved my pediatric palliative care mystery. <laughs> <laughs>
And the, thanks for listening. The, that's right. Thanks for listening. Yeah, <laughs> see, you, <laughs> see you never. <laughs> and the true treasure was the friends we made along the way. Thanks for listening. Our theme song is provided by Kevin McLeod. You can follow us on Twitter, where our username is at PDPal. You can find the notes for this podcast and all of our episodes on pdpal.org. If you'd like to submit thoughts, objections, or ideas for future episodes, please reach out via the email on our website. This has been PDPal. We'll see you next month. All right, let's do it again from the top. And I'll, I'll say, I'll say why I'll, I'll feign ignorance as I do so often on this podcast. <laughs> I feign ignorance, so sometimes it is true ignorance. I wasn't gonna, uh, wasn't gonna say that. <laughs> <laughs> That's our outro joke part. That's what's going at the end. Mm-hmm.